My name is Josh Alvarez. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. Not the director. And Not you're listening to episode 81 of Cinepunks. Cinepunks. There's two episodes in a row. Just uh, just us. No guests. Well, we did two guests in a row. And also, I just, you know, the, the sauces. I mean, don't be wrong. The Ryan, guests are good. Ryan was a great guest. Liam was a great guest. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, or the Liam episode, listen to that. <laughs> and we've had some great guests. Like, if I'm going to post, like, you know, if I'm going to do, like, throwback Thursdays, yeah. which uh-huh. I haven't done. I'm like, I haven't done that. <laughs> but if I was going to do it, I would definitely pick guest episodes over solo episodes. Because yeah. I think that's a cool feature. Like, we talk to whoever. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't, what I don't want people to think uh-huh. is that this is an interview show. It's definitely not. It's cool to have guests. We want yeah. guests. It and we like interviews too, you know? And but you know but what? We, but the the if point of this show is the nucleus the though. Yeah. The nucleus of what it is that we accomplish here as we toil effortlessly through I think saying toil effortlessly. Yeah. I think saying toil effortlessly. I meant to say naturally. Okay. That we naturally dissect, you know? It's just you and me, man. Well, me. I mean, I think we've said this before, but I think it's worth reiterating. You never know. We might have new listeners. Welcome. Welcome, Welcome to the show. Anyone new, new here? Welcome. Welcome. Show of hands. <laughs> I hope you just raised your hand. <laughs> uh, but I, we say this often to guests. We are the Cinepunks. Like, I think this is, when we first started, we were looking for other Cinepunks, and I think that was not a bad inclination, especially right. to start off when we were going. Yeah, when we had nothing. But our, but the point is, we are the Cinepunks. So right. if you come on the show, and you're like, well, I'm not very punk, it's like, yeah, you don't gotta be. Yeah, we're punk enough. We got you, dog. We're punk enough for you to be on the show. Yeah. We got it covered. Okay. And you might be listening and thinking, I don't we know, I don't, I don't think you guys are that punk. Well, you can suck a dick. Yeah. How's that sound? And you know, you're allowed to think that too, because, hey, what are we going to stand in the way of everyone being wrong no that seems improper yeah (laughs) on our behalf so So, it's been it's been a little bit not too long though not too long not as long as things have happened uh i for those of you who don't follow me on social media first of all good call i'm very boring (laughs) on social media but uh you know my 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 wife and child were away they've been away for a week right that was a sad you were a little bit going out of your mind um before this is not okay Okay, let's let's. You were going a little bit crazy. Let's let's be let's be clear because I'm not afraid of you. Let's be clear here. I'm an adult, and I know how to live my life. Barely qualify as adults. Sure, but and and I don't mean to say this to make it seem like I don't enjoy them. But there's some part of you when when the wife and child away, you're like, yeah, are going to be. It's you're looking. I'm looking forward to it. I'm thinking, right? Maeve and Susan won't be here. I'm gonna get so much shit done. Yeah, like in my brain, I'm like, I'm gonna clean the whole house. Uh-huh. I'm gonna organize all the records. I'm gonna shit with gonna, the door open. I'm gonna organize. Well, I already shit with the door open. Wow. Yeah, man. I don't give a fuck. You guys have such a powerful marriage. Let's be clear. The shitting with the door open is partly okay. <laughs> Some parents are going to think this is awful, but some parents are going to understand. Right. The baby gets anxiety when she doesn't know where you are sometimes. So part of so. pooping with the door open is so the baby can come and be like, you still exist. I see you. <laughs> You're still here. You didn't abandon me. Now I'm going to go back to doing what I'm doing. Right. So some, I don't always, but sometimes I shit with the door open. Anyways, Fair. Anyway, not important. Go on. Before they're going away, I'm thinking... You're going to do all party these week. things. And it's a combo, right? Part of right. me is going to be responsible. I have an episode of horror business to, to edit. I have uh-huh. Cinepunk shit to do. Right. I have a house to clean. I have all this stuff that stuff. it's hard to do when they're here. Right. Then I'm also like, I'm going to go to every movie. I'm going to go to every <laughs> Read show. every comic book. Oh, Power Trip is playing in New York? I'm fucking going. <laughs> oh, is there an after show at like midnight? I'm fucking going. All this shit. You know, it's not that they're not 
a, a positive part of my life, right? It's just there's stuff you can't do, and you think you're going to do it while they're gone. Yeah. The reality, though, is not that. that yeah. It's actually the same as your life when they're here, <laughs> only now you're by yourself. So I'm still going to work. I'm still going to bed. At, you know, I, It's not like all of a sudden I have all this energy to stay up till 1 in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I stayed up, up a little day. bit later, and yeah. then the next day I regretted staying up a little bit later, <laughs> and then I just went I to think work. It's just a functionality of becoming older, though. No, That's the to- other thing. totally. But but the thing is, is that my life has changed so much because uh, of yes. Sue's and because of Maeve that the idea that all like for four, it wasn't even a full week. For four days, I'm suddenly going to be single guy, whatever, or even just super husband. Like, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. not here, so I'm going to get all this shit done. Right. It's not going to happen. No. But in my brain, I really thought, and that, they, things that, went wrong. I mean, uh, the day they were supposed to leave on Tuesday, yeah, we missed the flight. Oh, oh, it was bad. That's no good. It was a combo of Sue forgot to check in. Uh, so that's a bummer. Yeah. It just makes everything hard. And also, you know, we didn't estimate the time it takes. She flew out of Trenton. For those of you who don't know, we're living like, in the Lehigh Valley. Yeah. So, so like, uh, it should take an hour to get to Trenton. But when you add all the traffic and shit, it doesn't take an hour to get to Trenton. It takes a little Trenton. bit more than an hour. And so she missed the flight. It was a bummer. And also, like, you know, you really should be there. She didn't miss it like we pull up and the plane's pulling off. Yeah. But we pulled up and they're like, wait a minute, you're not checked in? And you have to do all this uh, stuff. Yeah, you're yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. And if you've ever, if anyone's been it's to It's like the, waiting for popcorn when you know that the movie's about to start and you're in that line. Well, but also we weren't line. taking it seriously. Anyone who's been to the Trenton Airport, the Trenton Airport is slightly more complicated than a bus station. <laughs> in fact, I'd say it's less complicated than some... If you've ever been to the bus station in like... Uh, Jer- like what's the bus station? The big bus station in North Jersey that um, goes to not Newark. It begins with an S. Uh, Secaucus. Yeah, yeah. Secaucus has that big. The Trenton Airport is less complicated than the Secaucus bus station. <laughs> it's not pronounced Secaucus. It's Secaucus. Is it Secaucus? Yes, it is. I've been corrected many a time on this. Well, you know what? So, hey, when if, I lived in Bayonne, hey, if we have a single listener in <laughs> Secaucus, you can fucking tweet me and what? correct me. Man. Anyway. So, Point being, yes. it's been a little chaotic without them around. So right. I'm glad to have some normalcy in my life. They recording. just returned today at, at the time of this yes. recording. So, well, before. before I got so the only thing I managed to get done was watch the movies for this podcast. Yeah? How many to, did you watch? A one. I don't know why I said movies. <laughs> I watched a movie. I didn't even watch the main movie. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about Miyazaki Hayao with Miyazaki. a focus on uh, My Neighbor Torturo because it's the 20. Yeah, I think it's the 20th anniversary. No, 88. 88. Yeah, so... Uh, that would be 20. The 20th anniversary of yeah. My Neighbor Totoro. Is that right? No, 30. 30. Right? Wait, 88. I'm just doing simple math. 98. 90, yeah, 30. Yeah, 30. 30 years <laughs> of My Neighbor Totoro. Which I just saw today. I've That's amazing to me. But anyways, yeah. let's... Uh, back it up. Back it up, Liam. But because we were going to be doing it, I didn't even watch that because I just watched it recently. But yeah. I thought, well, we're talking about Miyazaki as a whole as well. Right. And there's still a few things I haven't seen. I've seen a lot of his movies, yeah. but I've never seen Porco Rosso. I've never, oh, seen, yeah. never seen Howl's Moving Castle. Have you seen uh, Pompoco? No. Is uh, that him? Yeah. No, that's not him. Well, it's, it's a, Studio Ghibli. It's a Ghibli I, movie. But, but oh, he didn't direct it. I looked right, at his right, directing right. credits. Before he was like a name, he mostly did uh, Lupin movies. Oh, and wow. then he did TV shows as well. Uh, but um, his first big movie was, uh, you know, Nausicaa. Oh, right. the Something of the Wind. Valley of the Wind or Valley something Valley of the like Wind, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but I didn't even realize, How's Moving Castle is post-Princess Mononoke. 
I always put it together with like Kiki's Delivery Service and yeah, the more, also is like yeah. his early. But actually, it came out. It just didn't have a big U.S. release like Princess huh. Mononoke did. But all that to say, yeah, I didn't even get House Moving Castle done. I only got half of it done. <laughs> I only watched Porcoroso because I wanted to like be prepared, right? Right. And right. it was fucking great. Anyways, we'll talk about it. But we'll get to um, it. But yeah, I, I thought I'd have all this time to do shit. I I did an episode. We recorded an episode of Hard Business. And yeah, that was, that was about it. Right. Hey, I watched one thing which you can talk about, but we already talked about it because you saw it in theaters, and I just saw it now. <laughs> oh, How have you been, though, sir? I've been uh, been okay. Been okay. Just been busy. Um, you know, went to uh, Rochester, New York. Yes. For the fourth Nitrate Film Festival, which yes. we'll be discussing shortly. It yes. was pretty awesome. I saw like a billion movies. Well, eleven movies, something like yes. that. All projected on thirty-five millimeter nitrate prints. So. I don't know if you know, but before 1951, uh, all film strips were made on a nitric, nitrous, uh, nitrate base. Which, which um, means they're, I mean, uh, wait, can I ask you something? Yeah, good. Is the Nitrate Film Festival dangerous? It's totally dangerous. Like all these things. I was going to say, nitrate is very flammable, so right? So every projection that they did, they had three projection operators in the booth at the time, and they have like a whole system because the George Eastman Museum where it was held is like yeah. one of two places in the in the country that can actually screen nitrate. The other wow. place being uh, UCLA. And wow. uh, so like they had these actual people that were like very like meticulous and dealing with all like the reels and everything. And it's like, you know, you know that at any given moment if something were to go wrong there would be a horrific fire. And I mean, like, they had all this stuff, like, to contain I'm it. I'm sure you would wrong. be okay, but, but it's different yeah, than, it's, like, you, you go to see, if anyone went to see Infinity War this weekend, yeah. they're watching, like, a, like, the, the equivalent of a hyper thumb drive. It's right, just a right, digital, right. no yeah. one's life is at stake, is no, what I'm trying to say. There is no danger. But, yeah. like, you know, with, with nitrate, it's not a lot of danger, but there's danger. Yeah, it, I mean, but the thing is, the prints, the earliest print was yeah. from 1918. Wow. A hundred years. Wow. The, the youngest print that we saw was a movie called Jolly Fellows from Russia, which yeah. was originally shot in 1934, but then um, the print that they had struck was from 1958 wow. because it was the most popular movie in Russia at the time, Yeah, and it had been sh- screened so much that the director realized um, in the 50s, we don't have an actual complete print of this, so we're going to have to redo it, and he re-recorded some of the soundtrack and some of the voice yeah. stuff. And they restruck it on nitrate eight or seven years after nitrate had been replaced by acetate, which they called safety film. Yeah. So, but yeah, that that was an amazing. I mean, the the cinematic experience of seeing things like Winchester seventy three on or Winchester thirty seven on nitrate. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Jimmy Stewart and uh, it, it was. We saw a lot. I saw Cry of the City, the uh, Simodiac. Uh, well, we're gonna get into. Oh, it. Oh yeah, right? we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Getting carried away. Um, before we jump into uh, uh, the meat of the episode, let's go ahead and say this. This episode is brought to you by our good friends at Chris the Lehigh Jackson. Valley Apparel Creations. XLVACX.com for now, all your screen printing needs. Now look, Chris Reject is my boss, so I fucking hate him. You know, as any good member of a capitalist society, I want my boss to die. And if you are not one, there are people out there who don't feel this way. <laughs> And we refer to those people as sheeple, you know, that they <laughs> don't go into work every day and think, man, right. wouldn't it be good if my boss was murdered? <laughs> so I obviously hate him. And yet, even as someone who hates Chris and has <laughs> my happiest dreams are of his violent death, <laughs> I still, still as that person, I have to tell you that if you're getting things screen printed, T 
T-shirts, koozies, sweatshirts, crewneck sweatshirts, sweatpants, fucking pillowcases. <laughs> if you're getting that shit screen printed anywhere else, you are missing out. It's not just because you're screwing me over and taking food out of the mouth of my baby. <laughs> Because at a more base level, I want Chris to go out of business. As any good, as anyone who has self-knowledge and is a member of capitalist society knows, at some level, even though it would hurt me, I hate Chris so much (laughs) and his business so much, I wanted to go out of business. And still I know that for your benefit, for your benefit, you should be getting things printed there. And if you've gotten them printed anywhere else... You're fucking up. Now, as a person who doesn't work at LVAC, I got to <laughs> say, I love Chris Reject. Yeah. Chris, you're a fucking man. I love you, dog. Just saying. He doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> he only listens to horror business. Well, yeah. He just likes Justin saying every week, every ep- every week, I wish we recorded every week, every episode that he isn't straight edge. I think that's what he <laughs> And by the way, Chris Reject, not straight edge. Not However, straight edge. the website is xlvacx.com. <laughs> it is that because of the uh, um, Las Vegas uh, oh, right, right, Athletic the... Club. <laughs> but if it wasn't for that, it would just be LVAC because Chris Reject is not straight edge. I just remember from uh, the Belgas days that LVAC stood for a Lehigh Valley Activities Club. Right. So there were actually two big, um, I say, crews. Oh. But they weren't crews. They were just friend friend. Right. There are two big friend groups that were Clicks. fake fake rivals in the <laughs> punk scene of the Lehigh Valley. Oh. LVAC, the Lehigh Valley Activities Club, was one. Right. And then whatever the Easton group was, headed by our own Klim Kanapka, was oh. the other. And they would even I think they had like football games and stuff. I don't think it was football. No, uh, I think it was more nerdy, like wiffle ball or something. Oh, nice, nice. More nerd athletic activities. <laughs> right. I mean, we're talking about Chris and Clint, not exactly, you know, strongman. <laughs> I, I don't think Evan was involved yet, but he might have been. Right. Uh, Point being, I know Justin Lore was involved. <laughs> Justin Lore was in the Easton group. Ah, okay. But when it came, came time for Chris to start his own business, he wasn't creative enough to come up with a new name. He just took... Lehigh Valley, yeah, Activities Club and Church it to Apparel Creations. Uh, It's fine. No one cares. One of the funniest things, one of the funniest memories I have from the Belgas days was the last show at the Pirates Cove. And uh, we did this huge, like, group picture. Yeah. And uh, people stood on the roof of the house and did the LVAC with their arms. Yeah. And it was, like, one of the funniest things because I'd never been in a crew picture except for that. So. That's funny. Yeah, there you go. I've been in um, This Is Hardcore Related Pictures. Yeah, those are good. Those are good. But I want to be it. like back of the first floor punch seven inch crew picture where there's graffiti and someone's wearing a varsity jacket. Like I've always wanted to be in a picture like that. I'm less into that, more into the masked group on the cover of oh, the Path, of, Path Resistance of Resistance record. record. Yeah, which I, actually I've been giving a couple of spins lately and I don't know why. For literally no reason. Uh, yeah, there's a really good reason. That record rips. <laughs> That record, it's a heavy record. That record, in and of itself, yeah, represents better uh, musical output than the entirety of Earth Crisis' career. Whoa. Boom! Boom. That's, hot my, take. that's my hot take. Cinephone's that's not really true. Take. I'm actually being an asshole. That's not, <laughs> I mean, no, it's not true in the sense that like there are some bangers. The first few Earth Crisis records have bangers on them, right? But I think the whole as a record, the first Path of Resistance record is a totally good record. Yeah. And that's Earth Crisis doesn't have that. For me, every Earth Crisis full length has a few songs on it that I'm like, this fucking sucks. And Path of Resistance, because they weren't around as long, didn't yeah. put out anything embarrassing. Whereas Earth Crisis, you've got Slither, mm. you've got whatever the other one, New Blood, Breed. I don't, I don't, know. Fucking I don't know. know. 
I stopped to destroy the machines. So yeah. it's yeah. it's funny because someone recently I won't say who I don't want to blow their spot was talking about how what you know someone had sort of blown their world up with an Earth Crisis record and yeah. it was one of the later ones and I was like whoa generational divide like, <laughs> I remember I remember being at the show for the Gamora seasons end tour yeah and being like it's over for Earth Crisis this is the end <laughs> this is like, it realizing that for other people later records was how they got on board is so insane to me because i literally yeah. was at that show at the truck uh-huh. for gamora season as being like nah, they're not, not even gonna, they're not even gonna play all at war <laughs> i don't think they're gonna play all at war. <laughs> guys guys they're not gonna play all at war we should fucking go <laughs> we should leave it's over guys they're not gonna play all yeah war. no they're not gonna be around for another 20 I, years to be oh, fair wait. i think that tour was when they brought all out war with them so it would have been weird to play all out war <laughs> I think that was the. Were you at the Earth Crisis? There was an Earth Crisis show at the truck that was All Out War, Marauder, somebody else tough. It was like the we we're friends with tough New York bands tour, right? Like to prove that they weren't just. Some I believe PC. I was there. I think I, I think saw maybe Madball. I'm not sure. I saw Earth Crisis that. every time they came to the truck. I was even there that one show with Worlds Collide when the Earth Crisis. I was at that flipped. show. Yeah, I was and, at that show, and the, they did Chromags. John Joseph was there. Yeah, and they did the whole Chromax set. Yeah, and I lost my goddamn mind. I thought no, I was going to I was die. a po- no, you got to understand because you're a little bit older than me. So right. I was a little bit older than the person who told me that. You're a little bit older than me. They start playing Chromax songs. All my friends are freaking out. I'm a fucking poser. <laughs> I don't know Chromax songs. Dude, I'll never forget that night all, just because, all my dude. early all my early tapes. Yeah. No one put Chrom- like, this is what's crazy to me. I had to discover Chromax on my own in like college. Huh. Well, there was okay. Young people listening, I right. couldn't go to Spotify. Yeah, I no. couldn't go. It's you, such you, a you different couldn't world. Even, you couldn't even that. really yeah. buy Age of Coral. No, like, you Age of couldn't Coral find it anywhere. Wasn't you... out anywhere. So, like, someone would have had to make me a tape, and no one did. So, I, I eventually knew the song yeah. "We Got to Know" because of covers. Wow. And then yeah. I, I had it like one tape. Someone put like what? Like later on, though, mm. like. No one had ever hooked me up, so like to me, I knew the Chromax design. Yeah, you but knew the a T-shirt, cro- but a Chromax set. Yeah. What the fuck? I don't fucking know. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't a, so like that I, was the same for me with Seven Seconds. Like everyone covered Young Till I Die, like Battery and all those. Sure, things. And I was sure. Like, what is this song? And then like not until later did someone give me a tape with like. Well, I mean, you know, crew was, on it. You know, it was a classic thing for me that it wasn't until uh, I think after college I finally got in. In the I, Seven Seconds. No, no, no. It was a. Uh, fucking discharge oh. a million discharge shirts everywhere yeah i don't know what they sound like i had no idea ah, and you couldn't yeah. go to youtube you couldn't no. go anywhere there so, wasn't anywhere to know like fans like that like discharge the verrukers yeah like if you were into that stuff at that time yeah you had to go through great lengths yeah to even get your hands on yeah. like a 10th generation dub yeah. oh man i remember those days well but. yeah i mean back in the day i mean remember we used to talk i, I don't know about you i used to talk about like sean agnew's record collection like yeah. Sean, Sean goes to Japan <laughs> to, to buy records. records. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, even like we were talking, you know, friend of the show, uh, Giancarlo DeMarchi. Remember, I don't know if you knew this, but a lot of people, they were friends on MySpace with a, a MySpace profile called Giancarlo's Record Collection. No, I didn't know And this. he would post about his records. Wow. I mean, yeah. I mean, just this year, I was at Giancarlo's house and he put a copy of Chunk and Kentucky in my hands. <laughs> and I was like, bro, take this away from me. <laughs> I know it's not easy to break a record, but I don't want to break this yeah, record because no. it's worth like, I don't know, six grand or some shit. Is it really? yeah. Oh, yeah. But nice. the point is, is like back in the day, it was hard to get stuff. So, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I was at that show too. They start playing Chromax songs, and I was, I mean, here's the thing no one is a world's collide 
fan. No one really is a world. I know a couple. I know a couple. Very few people are World's Clyde right. fans. But I knew some World's Clyde songs. I only yeah. knew one Chromax song. So it was like, <laughs> I guess this is cool. I don't know. Everyone else is freaking out about it. Jeez. But I'm like, whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Um, Good times, man. Good times. That was also a show where a friend of mine who was in my group of friends we went to shows with uh-huh. revealed that he had only recently found out that Philadelphia wasn't its own state. And that it, was that it wasn't part of New Jersey? He thought it was... A state in and of itself. Oh, like he knew New Jersey and Philadelphia were different, but he didn't. He <laughs> thought Philadelphia and Pennsylvania were two very different things. Well, in honesty, they are. So I know, well, that's true. <laughs> Depending where you drop the pin, but yeah. anyway. well, I think it's time for us to do our patented, worldwide, world famous, just notorious and beloved at the same time, <laughs> unique feature that we like to call. Whacking on track. track. Yes. <laughs> Never yes. gets old. Never gets old. I liked it that time. That was pretty good. It sounds like you got a lot of good stuff going on. So, so let, let's hear what what you did that you're hyped. I, you know, I don't. Have you, that I, much. I feel as though you you, you you were pretty psyched to talk about stuff for this. Okay. Look, here's the deal. I haven't seen that many movies. Apologies. Right. You've Apologies. been busy. You've been busy. It's fine. It's, it's busy. You know, the job is a little exhausting. Family stuff. Wife was sick. Baby was sick. Right, so it's right. hard to get to see stuff. And I know, you know, this is a movie podcast. And we're not going to talk about uh, Infinity War. And I feel like... Seen it. Bad about that. Right. You can say that you liked it or didn't like it. Whatever. I think you said that... Did we talk about it? I don't think we got to it the last episode, did we? No, I guess not. Yeah, but go ahead. Anyways, I will say this. I recently watched, because you liked it, and I had a chance, and I needed something on while I was doing other things. Right. Watched a little movie called Game Night. Ah, wonderful. That movie's hilarious. So funny. Way funnier than it has any right to be. So goddamn funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I love... I love the people in it. I guess I shouldn't be surprised because I love the people in it. So I Here's should've the thing. Known. It's as surprising a, a good comedy as, um, what was the one with the sorority? Uh, Neighbors 2 was. Oh, yeah. You go on this whole thing and you really like Neighbors 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, I still haven't watched it. It shocked me in the same way that Neighbors 2 did. And like, this is way funnier than it has any right to be and is not like messed up. Yeah. I mean, you know I, I love the people in it. So I went in hopeful and I know you had said you'd liked it, but it still surprised me. It's still yeah. was surprising. It's really fun. Um, that's about all. I've watched a lot of older things for other stuff or getting Sue's caught up. She hadn't seen Low Life. So I watched Low Life again with her. Oh, so still bad. great. Still so great. great. Um, one thing I want to talk about, though, is music. Uh, recently, uh, the Hers, Here's Collective. Mm hmm. Put out a new record. I don't know if I. I don't think I talked about this on Hard Business, but um, and I know I didn't talk about it in here. But I, it, it, I've been streaming it since it came out. It was streaming on NPR for a while, mm. and then I ordered the vinyl and that finally came, and I was been listening to it a bunch. And I gotta say, if you like heavy music, yeah, you need to check it out. And this it, is them full band too. Right? Yeah, and it's like so. For those who don't know, hers started out as just two people. I think it's pronounced hears. I think that they, you can pronounce it any way you want to. Is that true? I think so. I'm into that. Anyway, uh, when they started out, it was um, Jenna and um, the other guy, the drummer, but he played guitar. He plays drums in uh, Disappearances. Oh, okay. And, uh, but yeah, he plays guitar. And then it was the two of them and a drum sequencer. And right. their shows were like these explosive. Well, and on tour, they're still using the drum sequencer. Oh. 
the the current tour is just the two of them. It's really, not, it's not a full. Band. Oh wow, Scott. Scott's the guy's name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so, yeah. um, uh, but on the recording, they have a band, uh, and they have guests. You know, there's yeah, guest Lord appearances. Grace from, is on there. Alice Bag. Yep. Uh, uh, bunch of uh, Martine. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. More mother. Awesome. Uh, what's her name from Gloss? Who I always forget her name. Uh, I forget too. I don't know the singer from Gloss. Uh, anyways, there's a bunch of guest appearances, and it, when, if you've heard old uh, Hears stuff, uh, in my mind, Hears was very much on the grindy. Yeah, maybe they had like two releases of like a hundred songs each. Not quite Pig Destroyer, but like along those, you know, yeah. Gorephobic Nosebleed, like yeah, very yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of grindy, whatever. The new one, it's not, it doesn't pull back on the grindiness, but it's got some mosh in there. It's yeah. got some like just, just tough, just, ugh. and so like if you, I mean, I think a lot of people are very specific in the kind of heavy music they like. Mm-hmm. And I think that this band, because a lot of who they are is this um, very intense trans rights thing, femme for femme, yeah, yeah, and this and 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 they're associated with Get Better Records, which is has mm-hmm. a lot of their own kind of sound. Yeah, I think a lot of people who would like this record won't check it out. I don't think because they have anything against trans folks. That's what I'm, and not because of their prejudices, yeah. but just musically, they would might assume that's not for me. I don't like oh, music man. like that. Dude, that You're so you wrong. Like it's yeah. so good. It's so heavy. And the thing it's is, so fucking intense. So I, I had the, the, the honor of playing the first show that they played with the full band. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dylan, the, this person named Dylan's playing bass. Mm-hmm. And uh, Alex Lichtenauer from Get Better Records is playing drums. Sure. And they were faster and yeah. heavier. Yeah. With a full band, and yeah. that was when I was like, "Yo, this band is insane." Yeah, I I don't know if they're going to tour with a full band. I think the people have uh, commitments and stuff. I know they they at least they had said they were going to do some dates with the full band. Yeah, but uh, I will say the recording is amazing. And Done like, by our friend B, friend of the show. Yeah, it, it's a it's a co release of SRA, which is BJ who yeah. we love, and Get Better Records, which I don't know anyone there, but they seem cool too. Yeah, uh, and so. I, you know, and again, <clears throat> it's a sick and heavy record. And then I'm so about what they're about, and I'm so yeah. about the message and the lyrics and great, band. great. It's, band. it's it's if you haven't checked it out yet, you really need to do yourself a favor. They're definitely one of the the Philadelphia premier bands that I feel are like pushing boundaries. Yeah, and just so good, so good at what they do. Um, and then I on an episode I mentioned the singles, but the full album has come out for Janelle Monae. Including the visual album, which is called oh. also called Dirty Computer. She calls it an emotion picture. Oh, okay. um, it's no lemonade. Lemon, lemonade. <laughs> but what is? I mean, well, the visual part. The record I actually like just as much as the record. In fact, maybe more than the lemonade. But I mean, as far as a visual document, it's more just a collection of videos. Whereas yeah. Lemonade is a short film. Like Lemonade yeah. is like an, 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 a pretty important one, I think. This is just a bunch of videos with a with a overarching story mm. connecting the videos, but it's very cool. I watched it with uh, fellow Cinepunker uh, Justin Lore and Lasus, <laughs> and we we thought it was great. And yeah. the videos are really good. And if you haven't at least watched the video for Pink, you need to watch the video. For, it's so great. And Tessa Thompson, I, like I ship Janelle Monae and Tessa Thompson like so hard. Oh my gosh, <laughs> best couple ever. Anyways. That record is awesome. I, it was even better than I was expecting it to be. It has some really cool guest appearances on it. So I think musically, those are the two things. And 
The other thing is actually some old music has appealed to me lately. And, yeah. And this will tie in from my on track to my whack. So what's on track is that two of my favorite podcasts, uh-huh. Axe to Grind, uh, which is my friend Pat Kinlan with um, Tim from Indecision and Bob oh, Shad, wow. who I don't know, but uh-huh. seems like a very knowledgeable dude. They do a podcast about hardcore called Axe to Grind. It's only 16 episodes in, but every episode is a really interesting conversation. They're really long. You got to be ready for a three-hour episode or two and a half hour or whatever, but I love it. It's so yeah. good. And it's way in depth and they're it's nerd baseball shit. But if you're <laughs> about hardcore and music, I think it's worth checking it out. They started doing a playlist, basically a playlist for each episode of the shit they've been talking about, yeah. which is really cool. Uh, and then related to that, uh, turned out a punk, another podcast I really like with Damon Abraham. He started doing a playlist as well. So the plus of that is uh, I've been able to check out some stuff that, I should have checked out by now, but I just never did. Like, I never mm-hmm. listened to the first B-52's record. Oh, wow. Fucking yeah. great. It's good. Never really listened to the older Lemonhead stuff. Like, oh, God. I, I like heard Creator and all that? Oh, specifically. Hate your friends? Specifically yeah. Creator. They put a song from Creator on there, and so I was good. like, oh, shit. Because I know later Lemonheads, which is yeah. fine, but that early Lemonhead stuff, I never listened oh, to. Oh, my God. So That these... was why everybody loved the Lemonheads. Yeah, I didn't. That's why I didn't know about I, Ray was so weird. When I started going to shows, no one loved the Lemonheads oh, anymore. Oh, wow. I still love the Lemonheads. I was going to Fury of Five shows, man. Yeah, no one was wearing a Lemonhead shirt. You totally were. So yeah. my point is this. We forgive you. These playlists have been very helpful, and if you like, A, you should check out these podcasts. B, you should look on Spotify. That's where these playlists are. I should have said that. Spotify playlists. Mm. You should look for these playlists because they're fun, especially for... Damien Abraham's show, it's cool to hear some older stuff that maybe you haven't given a chance to yet, and you can see connections there. For X to Grind, it's a weird mix of old stuff and new stuff, and that's mm. kind of fun because sometimes there's stuff on there that you haven't heard, either classic stuff or new things, especially I think they've gotten a lot of feedback from older hardcore dudes because mm. they're older hardcore dudes <laughs> who would normally not listen to new hardcore bands oh, who listen to their playlist and go, oh, oh. that's cool, I checked that out, whatever. My whack is that they put everything on there because their point is, look, if we talked about something, even if we talked about it to say it was terrible, we're going to add it so you know what we're talking about. Right. So because of that, I've heard some also terrible things. <laughs> and so that's also my whack that right. that things like Ghost Mane and Wicked Face <laughs> Springs Eternal <laughs> fucking exist in the world. And those aren't even the worst. They've had some other things on there that are really bad. So, I mean, don't be wrong. I'm not saying that the playlists are bad. I'm glad they're on there because now I know. I'm not ignorant anymore. I know those things right. exist. There you go. But it You're was whack. You're a smarter person because of it. It was whack to have actually heard them and know <laughs> Have it go exist. in your earballs. Yeah. yeah, it was bad. Um, but yeah, that's about it. I, other than that, I mean, the only whack was, like I said, my wife and child were sick for a while so that was a real bummer and it made everything hard yeah. but uh and it's a little whack i haven't seen infinity war yet i really need to see it yeah you do yeah you do i might yeah how about you man uh, so on track. on track i went as i mentioned i saw the fourth annual nitrate film picture show in rochester new york at the george eastman museum what was the absolute highlight and what was the oh, man so was this there is, any bummers this is what i saw we saw man of iran uh, from 1934, Jolly Fellows, 1934, Cry of the City, uh, Red Shoes, both from 48, Winchester 73 from 1950, The Razor's Edge, oh man, so good, uh, 1946, Holiday with uh, Catherine Hepburn and, um, and uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Catherine Hepburn and uh, Cary Grant, yeah, that was awesome, um, we saw a bu- uh, 
oh man, my favorite movie from the whole festival was an Ingmar Bergman movie from 1951 called Summerlek or Summer Interlude is the American title. Dude, so beautiful. And it made me realize, like, yo, I love Ingmar Bergman movies. There, I mean, there isn't one that I've seen that I wasn't totally drawn into. And uh, that was definitely an example of that. And we saw a bunch of uh, shorts, too. Trade Tattoo, Along the Rainbow Trail, Symphony of a City. Uh, there was one called Our Navy that was a print found in a closet of a projectionist who had died and like they were clearing out the projection room from whatever theater he worked at and there was a it was a 1918 nitrate print and it was a hundred years old and they showed it and it was it was pretty awesome but uh the festival itself is really really fun and entertaining and there are also uh, workshops at the in the museum where you could see how nitrate film was made and uh you can do a tour of the vaults and all that stuff so i would uh greatly urge people to try and uh if you have the the time and the freedom to get to rochester uh for this film festival i highly endorse it i think it's really really fun so what I mean, was the what was the vibe like? Like, what is it's are, weird? What because are the crowds like? Are there is there hanging out? What's what's going on? There's definitely huge crowds, but it's hard to see. Most of the people that were there were film fans, but more so on the technical side of like having nitrate prints. So it's like kind of strange for to be talking about movies and the technical aspects of having film preserved from because like a lot of the people were from the uh, uh, library of congress where they have a huge vault of nitrate prints and all this stuff and a lot of the people there were like aspiring archivists who want to get into this field of archiving nitrate film and film in general and so like you have this weird cross-section of people that are cinephiles for the movies but also cinephiles who come to it from the other side of that coin you know what i mean like it's weird it's totally weird but that said it was a totally enjoyable time really had fun melani and i uh didn't really get the chance to uh experience rochester but i don't know what's exactly there to experience other than this so yeah shows i mean my no ignorance. no uh no shade to rochester yeah, but just saying i don't know what y'all do over there it's yeah. a weird town also we we're there for cinco de mayo so that did not make uh make for a very pleasant time but that's uh beside the point uh other things that i was hyped on um I saw Ghost Stories, which is a British movie. Um, I've been meaning to watch that. How was yeah. that? It was uh, not the worst, not the best. I, I enjoyed it. You know, um, it was fun. Got to see it with a friend, Fat Rich. Uh, saw Avengers: Infinity War. Uh, it's a pretty good movie. Um, <laughs> are you as Are you as in love with it as everybody else? I think so. Okay. There are some scenes in that movie that are, are picked directly from the book, mm. and it's whenever a movie does that. I think it's really great. Mm-hmm. I think it's really great. As far as mu- uh, music goes, um, the homies in the band Second Letter just released their uh, their records, uh, Cicatrix. I don't know if that's how you say it. C-I-C-A-T-R-I-X. No idea. Anyway, uh, Second Letter, if you don't know, or is a super group, kind of. It uh, features members of uh, people that were in Farside. Um, it's uh, the wife of uh, Matt Smith from Shark Attack. Corinne, she plays keyboards in this band. Uh, Rob Hayworth and um, Chris Woodhead, and yeah, they're just uh, the the drummer um, was in uh, American Standard and Burning Airlines and all those bands. Mm. They're awesome, great band, great record. So it's on Spotify streaming. Uh, another record that I really like that just came out is um, the new Grouper record. Do you like that band at all? It's like mm. a lady who does like these atmospheric and dark like no, overtures. No. The record is called Grid of Points. Highly endorsed. Really, really enjoy it. Um, and yeah, so those things are all on point or are on track. Whack is at a 
Um, I had uh, one of my very good friends pass away this past week, and uh, it's been bumming me out really hard. Yeah. And uh, also, my grandmother, you know, had a had a little health scare and has a fractured hip, so she's in rehab now, and it's uh it's been rough go. But uh, my family has been pulling together, so I guess that's a positive. But uh, it's still bumming me out; like it's taking a big toll on me. Yeah, that's hard. Just, you know, I love my grandma very much. Yeah. So, so those are whack. And Melani's grandmother so passed whack. away last weekend as well. Yeah. So whack. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. Those things. But otherwise, everything's, you know, on track. <laughs> it's probably whack that y'all can hear my uh, baby crying upstairs right now. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, after I, the break. Yeah, we'll I guess just... that's it. We'll, we'll come right back. You're going to hear uh, some music. And, and we're going to uh, talk a little we're bit. We're going to talk a little bit about. How, what's his first name? Hayao? Hayao? Hiyo? Uh, Hiyo? I'm not sure how to pronounce it. We're going to talk about Miyazaki. We are talking about Miyazaki for sure. And some Ghibli in general. In general. <laughs> well, after the break. All right. Oh, you 
All right. So here's the here's the deal, y'all. I am a pretty I, I don't want to say huge because there are people who are like obsessive. Yeah. But I feel like I'm a pretty solid Studio Ghibli fan. That's what, good. What about you? What I you would think? say that you're a pretty solid Studio Ghibli fan. I meant about you. Oh, oh me? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I was late to the game. Like, you know, anime and stuff like this, I don't even know if I'm doing it a disservice by calling it anime, because I feel as I though that's like still, a whole different thing. I think it's still anime. Well, so I had this conversation with uh, a fellow cinepunker, Justin Lore, last night. Right. And I was saying, like, are you into Miyazaki? And he was like, you know, I don't really do anime. And I was like, Yes, it is anime, but yeah. being into Miyazaki doesn't actually mean you're into anime. Yeah. Lots of anime people are into Miyazaki, but mm, like... Lots of Miyazaki people. I mean, like... Well, this is like the conversation we were just having. Okay. Let me tell you this. If I were to say to you, I know a guy who fucking loves Age of Quarrel, mm-hmm. but he's not really into hardcore. Yeah. That wouldn't surprise you, I don't think. No. Because it's its own thing. Yeah. Or even like, like there are people who love Metallica, mm-hmm. but don't really listen to that much other metal. Right. Or people who, uh, let me think of another good example. Who love people, Operation Ivy but don't really listen to ska. Yes. Yeah. Or people who love uh, The Exorcist or love, uh, I will even go more, even though you shouldn't love him because he's a fucking rapist, but mm. people love Polanski but don't watch other horror movies. Right. right you know what right. I mean? In the same sense, Miyazaki is, an, and I would say Stugibili as a whole. Is an institution unto itself yeah. that uses... And there are probably people who fucking jerk off the Neon Genesis, whatever you Evangelion, know, and yeah, all that videos stuff. who don't really care about Miyazaki. You know yeah. what I mean? Like they're they're relate they're obviously related. I think separating them is a mistake, but mm-hmm. you could like one and not the other, right? So okay. like if you if someone's listening to this and they're like, you know, I want to listen to this episode, but I don't really dig on anime, <laughs> yeah. bro. I get it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I had an anime phase in high school. Did you? What yeah. kind of animes were you watching in high school? Because I was watching like Ninja Scroll, Ninja Scroll, and in. Um, uh, Project Echo. In no, didn't see that. I did Project. I did Ninja Scroll, Project Echo, uh, fucking uh, Fist of the North Star. Oh yeah, yeah, I had a tape of that. Yeah, I can't remember Vampire Hunter D, both the original and the sequel. I like those. I like those. I mean, I didn't love them, but I was watching them. I basically uh, blood an- the last vampire anime was part of a we t- we've talked about this in our episode on Suicide Club. Right. I had a time where I was obsessed with Asian things, mm-hmm. Asian art, right. movies. Right. And the uh, the J-Horror thing hadn't quite hit yet. So mm-hmm. like it was like kung fu into anime, mm-hmm. and then the anime eventually led to J-Horror. Right, right. But the anime thing was because it was fun and action-packed. Mm. Um, the way it is now with anime where it's a whole thing culture of american fans who are obsessed with this thing that wasn't quite as bad as it is now i mean i always say Mm. bad that isn't fair it isn't quite what it is now it quite it wasn't as visible as it is now for sure right now you have like otaku khan and all that yeah it's a whole and but that i in my opinion the attention that american audiences have given to anime have kind of increased what was already a thing. So there was already a Japanese mm. culture around manga and anime. Yeah. But the American money has affected the art itself. So it's become a bigger thing with its own tropes and things. Mm. And mm. I've missed it. Yeah. The way that, like, again, back to our thing, punk and hardcore. Yeah. Someone who, like, got a little stoked on crossover in the 80s wouldn't necessarily understand what's going on now. Yeah. In the same way, like, yeah, I watched, Pro- I had Project Echo. Uh, mm 
cassette, I think. You know, yeah. I have an I still have Akira, Akira on VHS. Yeah. That was a big one. Akira was Akira was one. huge. Yeah, that and was... I still would read Akira. But again, yeah. having read people who've read the Akira manga aren't necessarily out there buying a million other manga. Yeah. Like I have the Akira uh the US releases in um trade. Mm. I have one trade of lone wolf and cub oh man i have all the lone wolf and cub trades see i just have one yeah that's it that's my whole monk you know what i mean so like yeah, 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 yeah. I, again i think like my interest in it now modern anime i've watched fucking uh attack on titan oh just because other people were so obsessed yeah. i just wanted to know no i watched about. a little bit of it i didn't get all the way it's through. Fine. did you finish it i like it I, I mean i'm up to date i'm not i haven't read the manga which is yeah did you watch own. the live action part one and two no i don't care it's rough. That much. it's rough I'm not into it not gonna lie. Uh, and then the other thing i watched just because it's i think it's funny and it was all on netflix mm-hmm. one punch man oh is it good that shit is hilarious Word. but it's making fun of anime anime so i think that's why it appeals to me a little right bit. right right because things that self-awareness kind. things that do the same thing but take it seriously i don't know like I, I never really got into Cowboy Bebop. I never really got into, as we said, Neon Genesis. Yeah, I certainly don't watch whatever. Yeah, yeah. So then, what is it about Miyazaki that speaks to you separately, and Studio Ghibli in general? I mean, I think we can we'll get into this a little bit more, but I think as an opener, I think Studio Ghibli is just like Disney creating family and slightly less approachable than family entertainment. They're mm-hmm. you, they're not always though they do sometimes they're not always playing off of the deep well of tropes that anime mm-hmm. plays off of that they bring new things right they're tra- they're more related i think to cinema i think mm-hmm. oftentimes ghibli is borrowing from cinema they're still very japanese in their own ways mm-hmm. um but they're borrowing more from the larger cinema conversation uh and they're just doing to me it's like Imagine if Disney was more thoughtful, less cloying and annoying, mm. uh, less saccharine, and right. had a little more weight to them. And Miyazaki specifically, and this is what I think we'll get into as we start to discuss more Miyazaki in general, mm. I think Miyazaki as a director injects um, pathos, depth. Mm-hmm. Depth is the big part. I think Darkness? The like, yeah. there's like a dark aspect to every Miyazaki thing mm. that sort of, I think, pulls me in a little bit. Right. No, I'm, I'm with that. But I want to start I want to start with you, because I think this is a good way to do it a little bit, is the, our history. How did you first, where did Miyazaki come into your life? Um, when I first moved to Philadelphia. Sure. I worked at Tower Records. What was Records. that? What year? What 2002. 2002, sure. Yeah, I worked at Tower Records at Broad and Chestnut. How fucked up is it that 2002 was a long time ago? Okay, go ahead. So Sorry. long. So yeah, long ago. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, I worked at Tower Records, and I ended up with a copy of Spirited Away. And it was like one Fuck, of those things yeah. where like it came out, and everybody like was losing it. And I was honestly in my infancy as like a movie individual. Like I knew what I liked, and I liked like the stuff that I liked. But I didn't get like deep into it, and I was just about getting there right and uh spirited away was was truly my entry point and um i must have watched that movie like a thousand times yeah it's so i think personally it's so fucking good it's so good and like from that i managed to see a few other miyazaki things but i i didn't really i didn't really see that much but um did you see spirited away in the theater or did you pick up the dvd i picked up the dvd and then uh, i saw a bunch of other ones because uh, like eventually I ended up working at a video store again, and I saw a bunch of other ones that way, but um, none of them sat with me the way Spirit or Away did, 
and and like the weird lyrical like just way it was and again the depth and the darkness and all that yeah. stuff that went to the saccharine visual of it all and uh, so princess mononoke wasn't i feel like i talked to so many more people who princess mononoke for them is the the inter- be all and end all yeah. of miyazaki that that came into their lives they care about stuff after they care stuff about stuff before a little bit but mm. princess mononoke is the pinnacle for you it was spirited away was spirited like away in. was the in but then wow. princess mononoke played a big part too because sure. when belgas started yeah uh, our first record was um it was three songs it was um azagal was one i forget the other the oh uh um I forget there were there were three songs on the first record and then the second record was two songs that was just one track. Sure. And uh it was called Nightwalker and then slash Dear God. And that yeah. was directly from us watching Princess Mononoke and taking that character and the scenes where like the foot would hit the ground and all the glass the grass would grow around the yeah. foot and all that so stuff. So amazing. So awesome. And that became like canon for for that Belagos record, which was our split with a band called uh, the Sea Like Lead. Sure. And um that that movie and that the coupling specifically of that movie and the experience of being in that band at that time, it definitely resonated so much within me. You know what I mean? And Miyazaki then became like a permanent fixture. At so that point. since uh, uh, let's let's start with this. How many Miyazaki films have you managed to see in the theater? Uh, in the theater, I saw. Um, I think somebody did a projection of Princess Mononoke at like. Brits at the Boar, so I managed to see that on the big screen. Sure. Uh, I saw Spirited Away when uh, I think we were, I was somewhere and, and it was playing and I saw it there on like another midnight screening. But that's it. I didn't see anything. There was the other one wow. that just came out. Yeah. Remember that? It was like a, a drama the, one. The Wind Rises. Yeah. Is that right? The Wind Rises. Hold on. Yeah, The Wind Rises, which is slightly controversial because it's related to, it's a true story of a, of a, designer who served the Japanese government, which was fascist. Yeah. And so I think if you haven't paid attention to other Miyazaki films and you're watching that, you're like, is Miyazaki pro fascist? Some weird like yeah. It's like, no, it's just he wanted to tell the story, but he didn't want to focus too much on like apologizing for how evil Japan was. You know what I mean? It's complicated. I think it's a complicated story to tell. And that's the thing, he seems like such a complex director and that's what makes his movies so compelling. Yeah. Even things like Kiki's Delivery Service and like, you know, um the what was the other one castle how's moving castle Howl's well moving there's castle, yeah. well there's two and i get them confused all the time there's the how's moving castle mm-hmm. then there's the castle in the sky castle, oh right the there's castle two. in the sky is the earlier movie and how's moving castle actually came out after spirited away but for some reason it didn't have the same push into america as uh spirited yeah. Away did. yeah it's weird um so i actually i am very much uh like a lot of people Princess Mononoke was the for those of you who don't know the thing about Princess Mononoke is it wasn't a co-produced with Disney the way that like Ponyo was mm-hmm. but it had a huge push into America because of the English dub I think yeah I guess like Claire Danes was one of the voices I and... think Disney must have bought the rights but the thing is uh Princess Mononoke came out in Japan in 97 but mm-hmm. I don't think it came out in America till 99 because I was very much in college I graduated high school in 97 yeah. you so. saw it in theater I so I think I read about it or something. I read about that Claire Danes was doing the thing, and it was mm-hmm. so I saw Mononoke, but it was a very limited. I think it was one of the first things I went to that was like maybe a one night only or something. Oh right, wow. I don't remember what the details were, but I was in college. Mm-hmm. I went to go see it, 
like, oh, this is a Japanese guy. And I, what's crazy is I had heard of his other movies, but I'd yeah. never seen them. I had heard of specifically Castle in the Sky, Kiki's Delivery Service, and My Neighbor Totoro, which we'll be mm-hmm. just getting. I only Netflix. saw My Neighbor Totoro today. It. Oh, I don't so, know why I skipped on My Neighbor Totoro. I mean, I honestly gave it a second thought only because you and Maeve and Suze, you guys have Totoro and like a lot of stuff uh-huh. here at your house. So I was like, maybe that's a thing. But, well, uh, so like I said, I had heard of these movies and I don't even know where, but it just was, I guess, because I had a interest in anime. Mm. But by the time Mononoke hit my life which i think again was i think it hit theaters in 98 or 99 right so i was definitely in college at this point um i didn't have a current relationship with i wasn't seeking out new anime at that point right my anime was like i like we uh, said like the ninja scroll probably like, like 90 95 Star. to 98 uh-huh. i was trying to watch as much anime as possible 98 to 2000 i was catching stuff here and there but it just wasn't important to me anymore mm. Um, but I saw, I managed to catch Mononoke in the theater and it was just fucking, I mean, here's the thing about that movie. It's action packed. I mean, it's gory yeah, even. It's, yeah. It's and brutal. Yet it has cute things that kids would like. And yeah. that's, what's so weird about that. And now granted he wrote it for older children. It's mm. not for young kids. Yeah. But it's tough. It's a tough movie. It is. It's actually, it's a badass movie. It's actually also weirdly his most masculine, like he writes, about little girls a lot, yeah. you know, and he and he writes movies that I think would appear appeal to young girls, um, not because he's a creep or anything, but I think just like that's the sort of stories that he likes to tell. Mm. Mononoke, even though Princess Mononoke herself is a is a girl, yeah, I think the main character is, is the, his most masculine character. Yeah, the dude with the bow and arrow. And yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, the yeah. toughest of his characters in a way. You know what I mean? And the most like little boy, like yeah, whatever. Well, it seems Whereas like then it's he follows the most... it up with Spirited Away, and Spirited yeah. Away is not that at all. No, Spirited Away, like the 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 threats in Spirited Away are not like running monster boars, like right, and all that other right, stuff. Like right. Princess Mononoke, the villains in that movie, or the bad guys in the movie. Are but like... he still has strong female characters. I mean, he writes yeah. for. Again, not trying to disrespect Disney too hard, but even Mulan is not that strong to me of a female character. Mm. When she's in direct conflict, she keeps having to like rely on men in a lot of ways. Miyazaki from Get is like women, women, women. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. maybe not. I shouldn't say women. Young girls sometimes, but still female characters. Mm. And it's really Mononoke stands out because it's like. Yes, there's these two women, but it's really about this dude's story. Mm-hmm. Um, but even still, there's two very strong female characters who are continually embarrassing the men who have sexist ideas. Right. I, I, again, I, I don't know if that <laughs> makes him... I, I'm not out here trying to say what is and isn't feminist, so I don't know that Miyazaki's a feminist. But he certainly is comfortable with strong female characters. Yeah. Uh, in some of his films, they still live into very traditional female roles, which is why I don't know if he's a feminist or not. Mm. But... He certainly is okay with the idea of like women can be Taking their own the characters yeah, and they yeah, can yeah. be the focus. Um, I would say the movie I watch I hadn't seen before for this was Porco Rosso. Mm-hmm. The women, which I have not seen, the women play somewhat traditional roles, even though they're strong characters. Mm-hmm. But it's still, I think. I don't want to say deconstructing, but he's still skeptical of masculinity. It's a male main character. Mm. Uh, the pig, Porco Rosso, the crimson pig, is is a man. But the way he's a man and the way he has trouble connecting with women, the film sort of says, like, 
that's not cool. Like, in other words, mm. he's very much a traditional, almost like 30s male character. Mm. And then the movie's kind of like, which is dumb. Like, he's a he's an idiot. You know right, what I mean? Right, and right. and it kind of mocks his masculine, his need to win, to be a loner, to mm. fight, to be sort of the wounded man who can't connect with the women around him. Yeah. Is dumb. It's actually, the movie sort of ends being like, and he grows past that. And almost, <laughs> it doesn't clarify, but it, it feels somehow dismissive of this. Yeah, I, I actually don't even... Should I spoil it? No. I'm not going to spoil it. it. Yeah. Anyways, so let me get back to... <laughs> I saw Mononoke in the theater. I got obsessed. It was one yeah. of the early DVDs. Would you say you were obsessed with, with Miyazaki? No. I got obsessed with Mononoke oh. as a movie, and I right. got the... It was one of my early DVDs. Mm. You know, well, my first DVD, as I've said before on the show, was Royal Tenenbaums. But probably like <laughs> the DVD. first five I bought was yeah. Princess Mononoke. Um, and then when Spirited Away came out, I was in the theater for that. Mm. For some reason, House Moving Castle didn't get a pu- get a push, and then by the time Ponyo came out, I was less. Yeah, this is I remember I w- when Ponyo hit the Ritz, and I was like, "Oh, I got to make effort to see this thing," but then I didn't. I waited. I waited for it to come out on Netflix or yeah, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I saw it, and like that was. I just again not because I don't like Miyazaki, but just I was like, "Oh, you know, it's yeah." I got to see other things. Yeah, 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 yeah. And but I did make an effort to see The Wind Rises. Unfortunately, I saw the dubbed version first. Before oh, man, the... I hate watching these things dubbed. I gotta say, I do like that with Miyazaki stuff. They've done like the these dates were doing the subtitle, then these days we're doing the mm. you know. And I get it. The internet is right now going yo subs over dubs, subs over dubs. <laughs> Honestly, I'll tell. I will say this. I actually prefer the dubbed Akira from the eighties to the subbed Akira. Do but you? that's just because it's familiar to me. Wow. Uh, Fair enough. Uh, the only reason I saw The Wind Rises in the theater was because, you, if you remember, when that was coming out, it was this big thing, Miyazaki's last movie. Yeah, yeah, now, it was. If, looking at IMDb, he's got something coming out this year, Borrow the Caterpillar, and he's supposed to have something coming out in 2021. So, Jesus. Like, apparently, he didn't retire, but I don't know if the, if you've seen it, but I watched the... Uh, the documentary about him did you watch it yeah 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 yeah. it's awesome yeah it's really great and it really i think impressed me with how dedicated he is to the craft yeah for me one of the things that appeals about studio ghibli and and i promise audience we will get very specifically into my neighbor Tortoro, but i just Mm. think it's good for us to cover these things that there's so much hand-drawn you know a lot of disney has moved to computer computer and don't get me wrong pixar is great whatever but there's something about hand-drawn animation that is different it's unique it just and, looks different yeah, yeah and, and, and it's so, not like the kind of thing where you're like oh you can hear so much more tones in vinyl versus whatever it's actually looks physically different mm-hmm. to me like it looks like aesthetically and physically different right as the way things move across the screen right on a hand animated movie versus right. the computer generated you know and that's again. I love computers. Yeah, I'm not trying to poo poo on CG and all this stuff. Like it's just, it's just that's what one of the things that makes Ghibli unique is the right. way they tell stories and how they do it. The Japaneseness of it. That like yeah. even when they're telling an American story, there's aspects that are very Japanese and are, are a European story. I like that. And then finally, um, that hand drawnness. You know? In so, retrospect, I kind of realized that um, around the same time that I got to Spirited Away, I also was uh, discovering uh, Kurosawa. That was sure, I saw sure, sure, I sure, saw sure. Spirited Away around the same time that I saw Dreams, which was my entry point to Kurosawa. So um, 
I guess maybe that was my personal Japanese renaissance of sorts. Well, like, and I guess the thing for me was weirder way too is was the mystery of it. Like I still don't. Yeah. I'm still not sure that I understand everything about Spirited Away. That there's I, something about Spirited Away where like there's all these cultural things going on there yeah. with the spirit world that I still don't know that I get it. Right. No, I get that. But it's still just as a whole, it's the most dreamlike thing, right? Like it I it it reminds me of Suspiria in that way. In that Oh, it's interesting. Yeah, because Suspiria is like the same kind of like mysterious color thing and like all sure. these weird things sure. happen like if the dream was a nightmare, but if the dream wasn't, even though Spirit Away has like very strong horror themes to it. Right. A very like But it's not scary. I mean, at least for me, it's not it's scary. It's not scary per se. But it but has all these dark elements yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Like the no face character and right. like, you know, stuff like that. Like that shit is fucking well, creepy. Let's, let's do this. What is your favorite? I'm assuming it's not my neighbor Totoro, which we're going to yeah. get into. But what is your favorite uh, Miyazaki, Miyazaki movie? Spirited Away, Spirited Away, without a most, doubt, Spirited Away. No question, it has wow. so. Many, again, I've I've had the chance to see it a lot, right? Mm-hmm. But it has so many different layers to it. It's almost like Watchmen to me. Like you don't, you, the pacing doesn't bother. Some people complain to me about the pacing of Spirited Away. I think that adds to the weird dreamlike quality. I agree. Movie. Yeah. So like the distances and like the time stuff is mm-hmm. really weird in that movie. And that's what makes it brilliant. Like to, I I feel like that was done on purpose. I, uh, I think I might agree. No, no, here's the thing: Princess Mononoke of all of his films, that's the most linear one. I feel not like. only is it the most linear story. Well, well you haven't seen Porco Rosso, no, I which I think is also very linear. And yeah, I, and I'll talk about it a little bit because I, I wanted to have seen. I still haven't seen all of his movies, which is he doesn't have a huge filmography, but mm. not everything is easily available. But, um. Uh, the thing about Princess Mononoke for me is that it's actually, and I didn't realize this until I was looking at this list, it's actually the only action film. Oh, yeah. If I you really think is. about yeah. it, though he has, all of his movies, I think, are adventures. And, right. Uh, I, the, one of the ones I haven't seen is Nausicaa, Valley of the Wind. Mm. Have you seen it? No. So that might be an action film as well, though I've, people have told me it's pretty slow, so probably not. But, um, Though I think all of his movies are adventure films, mm-hmm. Princess Mononoke is the only action film. Bows and arrows. I just think of the bows and arrows. Now. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, you know, there's some fighting and stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think yeah. the story is more than. I, I, it's the only film that has action in it. Mm-hmm. It's not an action film in the sense that the action isn't the point. The point right. is the narrative, and I think there's characters and things going on, and it's it to me, it feels his most heavy-handed message movie, mm. even though. It's confusing. Yeah. Like, I don't know about you, but when I finish, every time I watch Princess Mononoke and it finishes, I mean, I appreciate... Still, I, I get, like, what he's getting at, like, this whole, like, nature thing. I'm not and, like, sure this... I do. Yeah, because, that's okay. the thing, though. When I think more on it, I'm so, like, oh, so wait a minute. Let's, like... let's talk about this. A lot of people who are probably listening to this who love Princess Mononoke, a lot of my friends who love it are vegans uh, or, or vegetarians. Right. And they love the whole nature over humanity thing. Uh-huh. And I get that. And I really appreciate that. I just feel like the the woman. Well, I forget her name now because I haven't watched it in a long yeah, time. Yeah, I haven't seen her. In a but while. you know what I mean. The the woman who runs the factory, yeah, the mistress. Mm-hmm. I think they call her a lot of the time. She's not that bad. She seems like the villain of the movie, but in reality, she's being manipulated by the. Well, if it's the dub, the Billy Bob Thornton monk. Um, he's Bob Thornton. Yeah, yeah, he does the voice, right? Wow, that's funny. Yeah, and, and he manipulates her in order to get what he wants, which is the head of the spirit. 
right. god or whatever. The, but the her god. colony, I mean, she's a outcast. Mm-hmm. She's not respected. She employs lepers and prostitutes. Right. Uh, and in what is really an egalitarian society, even though she's the head of it, yeah. it, it, at least in that context, is very egalitarian. So, like, is she really the villain? Like, in other words, when the movie ends, of course, it's easier to side with the spirit animals. Yeah. <laughs> but there's also a sense in which Miyazaki's kind of says in the movie, like, yeah, but they're done. Like, that's yeah. it. It's over for them. We know it's over for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, it's sad, but is it that sad? You know what I mean? Like, in other words, there's a finality to it that I don't understand. I guess I don't always get why vegetarians, vegans focus on it so much because the movie seems to suggest not that you should eat meat. It's not that direct, but <laughs> but like these godlike animals, they got to move on. It's over yeah. for them, and he, and the future is this. And in fact, <clears throat> it almost sets up like, look, it's either going to go the way of these monks, which is completely selfish and whatever, or it's going to go the way of the woman, which is like, yeah, she's cruel, she's tough. Mm-hmm. But she's also fair, and she's, in a sense, just. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. It, I, again, I say it's his most heavy-handed ethically. I say that to say he almost never has a message, which is another thing that sets him apart in some ways from Disney, you could, yeah. you could argue. there is no, like, but, like overarching, like... <laughs> no, there's not one ethical message. Yeah. Princess yeah, yeah, Mononoke yeah. has the most, and it's still confusing. It still ends, and I'm like... <laughs> I don't know how to feel, you know? <laughs> We're spirited away. I mean, there's some things in there like yeah. like well, she's they're, they're she's selfish ethic. and she grows, yeah, but there's not, not it's not a message movie. It's not yeah, like no, it's not, it's like not a, a morality play, yeah, you know what I mean? You're right. It's not like an Aesop fable. That was what was so confusing with the controversy around the Wind Rises. People are like, "What is his message?" I'm like, I don't know. What's his fucking message in Kiki's delivery service? What's his message with Porco Rosso? Like yeah. the only thing I got out of Porco Rosso was like um <laughs> The this lone wolf man who thinks he can only live on his own because things are whatever, whatever the reasons, is wrong. And and he'll grow up when he figures that out. And that's it. That's the message. That's the whole thing. Right. Uh, so so wait, let's get to let's let's actually get into Totoro then. Because I, I think want, this is I an interesting. F- I want to finish with Oh oh okay, good. Just say I would have probably said Princess Mononoke, okay, but just talking to you about it right now, yeah, I actually think it might be Spirited Away. With, Spirited Away is so with good. With deep love for the movie I literally just finished yesterday. <laughs> Porco Rosso. I'd never seen before, Porco Rosso, and I might actually think that if I watched it more, that might, because it's so whimsical. Yeah. Here's the thing. It's so, <clears throat> and I think this is, I want to say this before we dive into Tororo, because I think Tororo is the least obvious example of this. I my theory to you is that every Miyazaki movie is injected uh, with this weird darkness. I would so agree. Here's the thing about Porco Rosso. A World War One pilot. Uh-huh. It's post World War One. Uh-huh. He's become a bounty hunter in the Adriatic Sea. Wow. And in this version of the Adriatic Sea, there's all these sky pirates. Pilots who just have big planes and they go around doing piratey stuff. Right. And so he gets paid ridiculous amounts of money. To foil these cat catch these them. pirate yeah these sky pirate pirates. types, everything is charming about it. There's no the pirates aren't like rapist awful. They're like mm. just like ne'er do wells. And then right. he even when he stops them, he doesn't kill anyone. Uh-huh. He just sort of is like, oh, I got you guys. I'm gonna whatever. And side note, he's been turned into a pig. They never explain <laughs> why he was turned into a pig. He was just magically turned into a pig. He's a talking pig. He's a talking pig. Fair. And everyone's just kind of like. Oh, he's a pig. That's so crazy. <laughs> like they, it's weird, but it's not like a big deal. They're just right. kind of like, yeah, he's, uh, he's a pig. Whatever, pig flying plane. And right. um, 
the pirates guild hires an American to like fight him basically. And so it's sort of this thing, this uh, rivalry between him and this American. Mm. There's a, Island Hotel with this woman who runs the Island Hotel who's a singer and her hotel is like a hangout for all the various criminals and adventurers who hang out in the Mediterranean. They all hang out at her hotel bar. Mm. And when his plane gets messed up by this American, he goes to uh, this garage, like plane garage in Milan. Yeah, and the guy who runs its daughter becomes the is the engineer who like fixes his plane, and she's kind of fixated on him because he's famous. He's famous for being really. A really great pilot. And he's a flying pig, but go on. Everything about this is charming, right? Like, yeah. there's a little bit of darkness in the sense of he's fighting the guy, but nothing to it. Only my man goes, you know, it would be another good subplot of this movie if uh, we're not just post World War One, we're right before fascist Italy, and the fascists really want him to join up in the fascist army, Whoa. and the pig has to literally be like anti-fascist. We'll just add fascism and Mussolini into this otherwise cute charming ridiculous <laughs> everything about this movie is that except for the couple times when the secret police try to capture the pig because they want him to be in the air force holy shit yeah why i mean <laughs> what and that's you know mononoke is bloody and death in the end of the uh spirited away her parents might get eaten who Turn knows you yeah, know yeah whatever the spirit even the wind rises is like yes it's about the glory of him living the thing but it's also like that the only way that this artist can live his dream is to sacrifice his morals and work for like that's part of the movie is that yeah, he doesn't yeah, yeah. really want to be doing what he's doing but it's the only way he can achieve this glory is whatever even kiki's delivery service is kind of depressing and that leads <laughs> us to the cutest, in my mind, the is of the, the ones I've seen, the, the cutest yeah. Miyazaki movie that I would suggest to our audience, and this is a good place for us to start, is about a woman dying, yeah. like, and has a sort of subtext of child abductions, death, you know, missing possibly. children, yeah, just a lone child's shoe found in a pond. Fuck, God, Jesus! Like, how can he make a movie this cute? With these that weird, is injected tones. with death and dark yeah. And tones, yeah, 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 and, and something about that, him doing that, makes these movies better, more mm. interesting, more engaging, and it never comes across as gimmicky. No, considering it he never does, does. It, considering he does it at least from what I can tell, every movie that we both haven't seen, Howl's Moving Castle or Nausicaa Valley of the Wind, but I'm assuming they probably have it too. Yeah, it could be a gimmick. It could be like fucking Shyamalan and the trick ending. You know, right, you, we right, could be right. like, oh, fucking Miyazaki with his <laughs> injecting death and everything. And yet, it never is. It always makes it better. It always makes it more It always feels nascent to the plot. It always yeah. moves the story along in a way that's natural. Yeah. And feels like just a part of that world. So let's talk about Totoro. Okay. Uh, you've never seen it before. Never saw it talk before. Talk about, you, you've seen it the most recently. Yeah. What is Totoro about, and how did it hit you as a, as a viewer of it new? It definitely had the same feeling. I, I'll, I'll relate it to Phantasm, in that it felt like a child's way of dealing with this mortality of her parent. Sure. Yeah. Um, in the IMDb trivia about it, it talks about how Miyazaki actually had the same experience, and that if the movie was about two boys, he wouldn't have been able to complete it because his mom suffered from sure tuberculosis or something yeah, like yeah, this. Yeah, and yeah. like, I think that's how she died. And so, like, this movie is like semi autobiographical in that regard. Yeah. But um, as far as uh, a movie goes, it definitely felt like you know, like the way. If you look at Phantasm a certain way, it seems like it's this kid's way of dealing with the death of his brother. Right. It feels like the same way. Like this is how these small children who are four and seven are dealing with 
death or the impending death of their mother. So what happens? So what happens in the movie is that they retreat into this fantasy world where there's this troll or whatever. Well, let's start with is the dad. Dad is, is a, a, a prof- university. Academic. Yeah, yeah. He's like and a he's professor. moved them out into the country. And we're presented this as like a fun thing. Yeah. And it's only and as the movie goes on. the house because of this huge tree there. But and, but the reason they moved to the country, the dad hasn't changed jobs. He's no. still working in Tokyo. Yeah, he has to take this train and this bus. Yeah, but he's moved to the country because they need to be closer to the mom. Who's at because this hospital. the mom is dying. Yeah, they, she has some type of consumption. They don't straight up say she's dying. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But yeah. no adult watch. I, I'm sure kids watching this go, oh, they're closer to the mom. Mom's sick. All right, yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah, it'll yeah, be yeah. fine. No adult watching this movie is going, like, Yo, she's oh, I'm sure she'll it. be okay. Yeah, no. Ah, she's going to be as fine. As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, snap. She's Yeah, this is a movie about their mom dying. Yeah, and yeah, they, yeah. they move to the new house, and immediately they find joy uh-huh. and adventure at the new house. Yeah, they find, actually, another odd thing that was pointed out by MDB is that those little uh, dust things yeah. with the eyes are also in Spirited Away, which I think there is are, really funny. There are certain types of creatures that show up in all of his movies and that's one of not them. all but in a lot of his movies yeah and the the dust mites the spirits like the the con whatever yeah the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, big yeah skull head looking thing oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 it's awesome oh my gosh oh by the way i just realized oh look at that i forgot i have a miyazaki phone case that has <laughs> some of all of his characters on there <laughs> but all anyway out. i'm sure unlicensed by the way sorry Extremely not important lovely. not <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter. Sorry. Sorry. Anyways, point being, um, so as they are getting to know the house, they it, it, in dream sequences it seems like yeah, but it, then it they always starts ends to up bleed. with them waking up. Yeah, but it kind of starts to bleed into the real world a little bit too. Yeah, like yeah, when yeah. they go to wait for the dad and whatever like that. But they encounter these again. What is Torturo? Is it troll? The yeah, they look like giant cat monsters they do they do they're not cats and there's they, an actual giant cat bus in the movie there is a cat too. bus as Spoiler, well but, cat bus but these look like um big raccoon slash yeah, like, cat slash bear creatures yeah and some of them are small but they, the, are they, they they kind of interact the most with the big one the big right. one is like the one they you know they call totoro yeah um and they plant a tree and they, they, and they it's plant all these this seeds adventure and then, like, stuff yeah and like the trees grow really fast and yeah. then they're sitting at the top and they're like you know but then but see the, the, there's only the one weird interaction at the end yeah when the mother gets the corn yeah and she's like for a moment I thought I saw our daughters sitting in a tree looking at us yeah that's the only time in the whole movie where there's the weird crossover between. <laughs> The reality of the movie yeah. and the fantasy that these girls are supposed yeah, but to when they when they go and wait for the dad at the bus station, which yeah. by the way is un, these children are. I mean, this is also a movie about unsupervised children. Yeah, these which are at children the time are right. in the movie it's cute, but you don't have to be that savvy of an adult to go. This is not safe. What's yeah, happening this right is now? Not gonna and that's what up. ends up happening is uh, the the drama of the film. I mean, there's a drama of them getting into a new place and then meeting Totoro and sort of the adventure that Totoro mm-hmm. puts into their lives. But there's also the drama of the mother. The, the older girl goes to see the mom, or is she going to meet dad? She's going to meet dad, and then no, no, they're they're with the Grammy, and they get the yeah. Uh, but the older girl leaves, and the younger girl follows, and that's when she goes missing. Yeah. So what happens is they're hanging out with the grandmother, and then they get a telegram. Yeah. Saying that call the hospital. There's something gone wrong. So then she talks to the grandmother, and the grandmother takes the boy and tells her take her to the room to use the telephone and then they run back to this house or whatever. But the little girl follows yeah. and gets lost. And she gets lost because she can't run as fast and yep. so on and so forth. So the older sister uh, 
<clears throat> basically they're looking for this girl. It's getting kind of dark in the yeah. movie. It's kind of yeah, like yeah, something. Yeah. Maybe she drowned in the rice paddies mm-hmm. or there's all a kinds scene of where they find a, a lone shoe. And like the whole village goes crazy looking through this like pond to see if the kid's in there. And like, yeah, it's brutal. Brutal. So, um, the older sister elicits the help of Totoro to help her find the little sister. Mm-hmm. And then up, the cat bus comes running over yep. the rice paddies. Yep. And takes them. It's, it, that seems actually really, really funny to me. Like yeah. where it has like the, the destination on the top of the cat oh, bus. Oh, yeah. No, the cat <laughs> bus is entirely charming. It's so but, great. Uh, again, this is the story is the little girl's missing, possibly dead. Yeah. And Miyazaki's going, look at the cute cat bus. Look at the thing. <laughs> and it, it, it ends up it's being. It's a bus that cuddles. It, it ends up being okay, maybe. I mean, this is where yeah. what you said about Suspiria in relation to. Uh, Just dream like sequences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, it's. So there's a whole realm. We should acknowledge this. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but we should acknowledge if you go on Google and you look up mm. uh, My Neighbor Totoro Conspiracy. Whoa. What you'll find no, is- No, there's a thing about that? Oh, there's a, a whole rabbit hole. Oh, my God. That says that around the time that Totoro was being made, there was a whole missing children's case in Japan that was very what? salacious. It was, again, oh, two little girls, and they found a shoe in a rice paddy, and it turned out this horrible human had done horrible things to these children. Wow. And there's a whole theory on the internet that wasn't a thing when the movie came out. No one put this together, but years later, someone tried to say- uh, the movie is actually about that. It's about this thing. And then at the end, all that is a dream sequence. That the children are dead. None of that, that is happening. Goes and that's just yeah, all This dream. is just all... Wow. This is all post-death stuff, which I've heard the sort of theories before. There's a theory about Moana, uh, which we will do an episode eventually about Moana. <laughs> How many times have you seen it? Yeah, so many fucking times. <laughs> There's a whole theory about Moana. So in Moana, she the whole story is that she is leaving the island and it's like a big deal. No one leaves the island. She yeah. leaves the island to go find Maui, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But before she finds Maui, there's like a storm. Uh-huh. So the storm happens and then she finds Maui. Well, there's a theory that, that way less dies. way less popular on the internet, but right. there that she dies and that everything that happens after the storm just is not real. It's just dream. that's how she's fight she's interacting with Maui and there's gods and right. whatever. It's all post her death. <sighs> which is that is uh, dark. Is the one about that that back to what, back I, what to I just Totoro. said about Wana sounds dark. Yeah. The shit about my neighbor Tortoro is a million times darker. Whoa. It's like the darkest thing ever. And it started a whole thing where now everyone evaluates every Miyazaki movie as actually being about some other fucked up shit. Which, by the way, is ridiculous to me when you watch Princess Mononoke. That's fucked up enough on its own. It yeah. doesn't need a scary. Yeah, there's subplot. more fucked up shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. all that to say. Um, I wanted to acknowledge it because I know there's probably somebody listening to this who's thinking about all those conspiracy theories. Maybe you spent some time down the rabbit hole on the internet. I'm just going to go ahead and say I don't believe any of that shit. Yeah. I think that Miyazaki is inevitably open to those interpretations because, as we said, there's... He has that capacity there's to There's a darkness there, palettes. but I think why he's doing that, and this is what I wanted to transition to about right. Tortoro and about all of his movies, is because it's his way of allowing there to be a space for fantasy and whimsy while still having children live in the real fucking world. Yeah. Like, Totoro is, is compared to some of his other movies, which all have fantasy elements in their right, own ways, right. Totoro is 
both the most fantastical, and there's the giant new, fucking monsters, and the most real. It's the most grounded in a reality. Yeah, parents yeah, yeah, yeah. die. Yeah, it's that's a thing up. that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I don't know. What I mean, this is it's a newer experience for you. So, I just wanted you to talk a little bit. I about definitely, that, like, without having gone down that rabbit hole. Yeah, I definitely could sense the the relation of death right. and, and mortality right. in this movie, and uh, y- you know, as a first time viewer. It definitely felt like a children's book of of coping, right? Like that's that's totally like almost obvious to me. But that said, it's still entirely whimsical. It's entirely like for children. It still feels a. Pro- I mean, I have no problem. I mean, she's too young now to care. I could watch horror movies with me if she doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't. But the idea that like when she's older, I'm gonna watch torture. I. It still feels, even in a movie with this much other things going on mm. it still feels entirely appropriate for children and when yeah. adults tell me you know i tried to watch princess Mononoke or not princess Mononoke, i'm sorry my name my neighbor Totoro. Totoro, and it was too cutesy for me wow i get that i actually yeah. am okay with that i'm like yeah i get it like if you went from mononoke yeah to <laughs> my neighbor Totoro, you're yeah. like whoa this is like, not for uh, me. shift in tone yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah but it's because of his willingness to allow the darkness that is part of everything to be even in his cutest movie, or at least the cutest one we've seen, mm-hmm. that's part of the appeal. I think that's part yeah. of what makes it like. Well, stick. I mean, that's, that's part of why his movies tend to lend more from cinema yeah. as opposed to pop and other culture. Yeah. It's because it doesn't assume that it is the end all of what the viewer experience is. Yeah, and all great movies do that, right? Like all great movies give the viewer the room to play with what they're given. And these movies are very much that. They're very much the darkness that's there. You could you could resonate with that, or you could resonate with the cuteness, but that's up to you. Now, right? here's, here's my question to you. Okay. I don't know this, and I didn't see anything in the little bit of research I was able to do that said one way or the other. Is Totoro at all related to any... Tra- you know what I mean? Like, in Spirited Away, there's things that he makes up, mm-hmm. and there's and things there's that are like traditional culture. Japanese culture yeah. stuff. Totoro feels like he pulled that whole shit out of his ass. Well, or was I mean, that the, like a thing in anywhere? I don't know. They mention, so in the overture at the beginning, the weird song that yeah. happens, they mention Tanuki's in there, oh, which Tanuki is like the mystical. Do you think this is like uh, that Totoro is drawn from that Tanuki? I definitely wouldn't be surprised Can if you it were. Explain to the listeners. I just realized some people aren't going to know what the fuck we're talking about. Can you explain what a Tanuki is? Okay. So uh, in from just from what I know, and oddly enough, I got to this through... Uh, tattooing through oh, just tattoo culture. You wanted a tanuki tattoo. I wanted a tanuki tattoo, and a tanuki is like a mystical, like animal Japanese, like, and it's supposed to symbolize things like uh, good fortune. They look like raccoons. They look like raccoons, and then there's certain things that are always like big balls. They have big balls, which is supposed to represent fortitude. They all yeah. have a, a wine skin and a hat and a bowl of rice. What's and the movie with with them? Pompoko is the one that I, still I thought. Seen it. Oh, I it's still genius! Seen it. It's brilliant. Uh, I mean, it's funny. They can change shape and they move through society and all this other stuff. They're they're magical creatures, magical raccoon creatures. And uh, Totoro, they they definitely mention it in the song, right? And like something Tanuki. And I definitely, when I just looking at Totoro, she he it Totoro looks like a Tanuki to me. Without there's, the there's, big balls. There's similarities. There's no balls. Yeah, there's no, no balls. Hat, there's so no it skin, feels but... as though like it's like a more scaled back version of this mystical creature to me. Now, do you feel like the use of the mom in the movie is at all 
like gimmicky like no that's autobiographical part that's the soul yeah. of miyazaki in the story and it works for it the works story so right well. yeah it really really does like man it grounds the story in a way that makes it almost incredulous that the dad is the way he is but then it also right. like it lends itself to thinking like well you know maybe the dad has this incredible strength for his two daughters yeah while they're dealing with this very difficult thing yeah you know what i mean like it's also i mean you could read all kinds of things where the dad doesn't really realize how serious things are yeah or he's not able or he's just trying to keep it together wow i mean they're going through this thing well he moved the whole family to this how thing. unrealistic is it the idea i mean i'm not a professor but i have enough friends who are that you would take a train and a bus to work yeah and then a train and a bus home to the country right right you know right. what i mean like yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm sure like nowadays that seems less whatever because you could get there faster but you're talking about like a time in like before cell phones in mm -hmm. you know a rural japan setting Mm-hmm. You know, and it, uh, it's rough, man. It's rough. I mean, even the scene when um when May goes to join her sister when Grammy takes her to the school, yeah, and is like, I can't handle. Her. <laughs> and yeah. she goes in with uh with the uh, the older sister, and the teacher's like, well, her mom's in the hospital, so everyone be nice to her. Like that scene right there is like, yo, if that yeah. happened like in my life, I'd be fucked. Like that's yeah. terrible. Like, well, and I think there's something. I think this is in a few Miyazaki movies, actually. Not always, but there, it tends to be there. There's like a weird class thing too going yeah, on, right? Yeah, like for sure. The of course the rural people view them as like outsiders, outsiders, and, yeah. and, and maybe like above. But clearly, they're not rolling in money. Like no. he's able to like move them to where they are, mm. but it's not like they have so much money that they could have like servants or they could yeah. do whatever. You know what I mean? Like it, it, there's still a way in which the mom's sickness. It's putting stress on the family. Right. You for know? sure. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. couldn't take time off. You no. know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that's interesting that like even though it's not directly no one ever says like anything directly about economics, you as a savvy watcher kind of get like yeah, there's like, stuff going on here. For example, when the kid gives um gives the girl the umbrella because it's raining and they're like, Oh, there are holes in this umbrella. And like just something like that yeah. subtle is enough to imply these class like yeah. stratifications in this movie that it could at one turn just be a kid movie. Right. And that that's a masterful movie maker right there. Yeah. That is a masterful movie maker. Well, and I guess I think this is what it is with Miyazaki is that uh, again, uh, if you're a big is your alarm going off or something? My phone's ringing. Oh. If you're a big Disney person, I'm not trying to bum you out too hard, but it, it sometimes feels with Disney, not everything Disney, but a lot of things Disney, that the way they make it for children is to make it stupid. Right. And Miyazaki, though he tells sometimes simple stories, yeah. and I think Ghibli in general, though I haven't watched everything that they do, they sometimes tell simple stories. They never tell stupid stories. They never assume that the viewer is dumb. No, and, and, and some of the ways that they interact with children and make it like this is for children is just in the level of cuteness or on the level of darkness not necessarily in the simplicity like the story is still interesting yeah 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 it's just the, it seems as though the art is what changes true like everything becomes there's a lot less right angles a lot more round surfaces right so on and so forth yeah yeah yeah, yeah so, totally i mean that's just what it seems to me like if you compare like the head shape of the characters in spirited away versus the head shape of the characters yeah in, Totoro. Yeah. Right? You have a lot more rounder things. Yeah. Right? yeah, like yeah Totoro yeah, yeah. is Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I, but, that's maybe that's a, a legitimate observation. That's definitely what I I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean I think that's probably true. I, I also just think like 
part of what I think people respond to is that seriousness of storytelling while still making things that can appeal to, you know, Kiki's delivery service. It might not appeal to Maeve now. She's a little child, but like, mm. you know, when she's like six or seven, I could see her loving Kiki's delivery service. Yeah. yeah, yeah but it's yeah. still a real story. Or, right. you know, like I was saying with Porco Rosso, it's a very cute story. It, but it's it's still simple. A story. Yeah. And it has texture to it and it has a lot of beauty. Like, it's storytelling. It's also the quality of the art that Miyazaki is not just a storyteller. He's an artist and an animator. Yeah. And that these and all of these animations that I've seen, okay, I haven't seen the very early stuff, but all right. this stuff, you know, from Keys, Living Service on, it's all beautiful. Even Ponyo, which I think was in a lot of ways a little looser. It has it, it. It's the animation style is a little looser. The art's a little looser, yeah. And the story's a little bit more for I think a younger kid than some of the other movies. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. It's yeah. so beautiful. It and really is. It the really chaos is. Chaos like adds yeah. to the beauty of it. You yeah, know what I mean, for sure. Spirited Away. It's in the details. Everything is a million little bits and details that mm -hmm. are all very precise. Uh, Ponyo. There's squishy edges a lot of times. There's weird <laughs> things, and yet that makes it even more appealing. Yeah. Um, and, and I felt wow. the same way about The Wind Rises, you know? Mm. So there's something about that. He, he, and I, uh, yes, we are both aware, he's just a director and there's a whole team of artists or right. whatever. We watch the documentary. But there is a look, though. He has his brand. Yeah, he has his brand. And I'd recommend sure. some other, I mean, I've definitely seen other Studio Ghibli stuff that's great. I'm a big mm. fan of, uh, uh, Oh, I've never seen Paprika. Oh, yeah. But That's The Tale good. of Princess Kaguya. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fucking love that movie. Yeah. It's amazing. But um, there's just something about Miyazaki, at least what we've been able to see in the stories he tells, that like, there's the, I mean, if I had to break it down, there's the art, mm -hmm. which is unbelievable. What you're watching is unbelievable. There's the story. The story, which can be cute and yet interesting. Mm -hmm. And then the, I, for me, it's like the overall, you know, uh, economy of storytelling that even in a longer thing like Spirited Away, which is not a short movie, no, I'm just in it the whole time. Yeah, it, really it doesn't it doesn't get boring. Yeah, and that's I think these are the earmarks of good movie making. Yeah, right. Despite the methods by which you tell the story, but when yeah. the story is the master that you serve, yeah, these are the kinds of things. These are the best things about movies, right? Right. Like the way they look and the way they make you feel and the way the story pushes along and whether or not you stay in the story. Yeah. Right, these are the best things about movies, and I think that Miyazaki movies, in particular, they embody those things. Right, and that's why I love them—the yeah. ones that I've seen over and over. So, <laughs> if you've never seen any Miyazaki movies, I do, do yourself it. a service. Yeah, please and watch. And if you're someone, I, I've talked to so many people who they've only seen like Mononoke, mm. Spirited Away, and then maybe The Wind Rises. Yeah, I recommend some of the ones that are for kids. They're still, I, I think Tortoro can appeal to you even if you don't have children. I've watched it probably more often because I do have a kid, so I've yeah. put it on for Maeve a couple times. But she's so young, she doesn't really care. I'm it's watching it partly because I love it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's such a good movie. I never even talked about how Mononoke has a special thing in my heart. Uh, for those of you who don't know, me and my wife, we were married... We had a wedding. Not Mononoke, Totoro. That's what I meant, Totoro. Uh, I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> um, me and my wife, we had a wedding a couple years ago, but we were married on paper first to try to get me health care, which, by the way, didn't work out. But uh, <laughs> but we, we sort of had a little, we didn't have a ceremony, but we like had family there just because they thought it was still pretty important. We're getting, yeah. filling yeah. out the getting paperwork hitched. and whatever. Yeah. 
and after we had a picnic and we filled out the paperwork and just whatever, we went and saw uh, Mononoke at the I My House. Neighbor Totoro at the I House. Uh, My Neighbor Totoro at the I House Man. on film, and it was so cool. And it, and it was just like... Was it really? Is that why... You... <laughs> I mean, it wasn't just that, but that was a good thing to do that right, day. Right, right, right. See you Princess Mononoke. I fucking hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, we even got the poster for that screening, which was done by a uh, friend of the podcast, Justin Miller. Hot love. Hot love. So anyways, it's just always been special to me since then. So I'm glad we got to talk about it. Yeah. And now I need to go finish House Moving Castle, which I still have never seen. Yeah, I got to see it. I got to see I Kiki's Delivery Service, which I haven't seen. So. Oh, dude. Yeah. Kiki's Delivery Service. Let me tell you, a bunch of cosplayers love that movie I mean, at New York Comic Con. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they do. Uh, okay. Um, hey, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. And uh, please rate, review, subscribe. Yep. Helps us along. It's the currency that the internet cares about when it comes to podcasts. Yep. And uh, thank you so much for coming along for the ride. Okay. We love you. Talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs>